Dale, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, The Marketech Samuel Plan, The Devil's Advocate Shinobi, The Lunatic King Maverick, and Single Syllable Mother, The Right Side of the Pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! Subloads of pain and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday and it's a pay-per-view week. It's Elimination Chamber, um, traditionally, of course, the February pay-per-view for the past few years, except for that one weird time they did it in May and uh, made Ryback win a title in it. Um, or was it Seamus? I don't even remember what a terrible well, website that was. Well, well, not to be repetitive, but it was Ryback, and I believe it was in June. Okay, I mean, even even worse. But uh, it, it, <laughs> has, it, okay. it has been, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing random month prejudice now. Uh, it, <laughs> it has been a, uh, a February pay-per-view for quite a long time, other than that, that one strange experiment. Of course, I, I think the, the question that you and I have, have had mostly, um, you know, since the Royal Rumble is, they've got this unbelievably long road to WrestleMania. They've put two pay-per-views on the road to WrestleMania, both dual branded. So whereas before, you know, you had two single branded pay-per-views, which made a, a rudimentary kind of sense, at least, um, since that both brands had a pay-per-view. So that's why you had two on the road to WrestleMania. I mean, it, I was thinking about this today and it may well be next week's column that I end up writing but they need to really radically rethink this whole road to WrestleMania concept. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just thinking about it off the top of my head, I think you, you've got to, you've got to do something quite brave, I think. Uh, and um, I think either scrap February pay-per-views altogether, which, you know, you and I have historically been in favor of anyway, because it doesn't really make, I mean, I can, I can kind of see in a, in a brand extension system, which by the way, never work. But in a brand extension system, I could kind of see the use of an elimination chamber as like for the brand that didn't have the Royal Rumble winner. Like I get that logic, but generally speaking, I think it, it tends to provide a bit more of a, of a of a stumbling block for them that they don't need. So either that or alternatively, you know, move and I, I, I it's almost heretical to say it, but move the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, you know, either move Royal Rumble close to WrestleMania or WrestleMania close to Royal Rumble. I don't, this is I don't, what I was about I, to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't get why they're married to the idea that there's got to be a like, a, in this case, a three-month period almost between the two shows. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's a later WrestleMania this year, so which it kind of exacerbates it. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is that you know they run out of clever things to do. Um, you know, so like in years when you have um, the you know, the Owen Hart challenges Shawn Michael for Shawn Michaels for his shots. Um, Daniel Bryan challenges Roman Reigns for his shots. You know, they can do that trope, but you mm. can't do that every year. Mm. They can do what they've done with Becky this time, which is to pretend to suspend her and replace her with somebody else. Um, so five times fast, pretend to suspend her. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but th- there are things that they've done in the past. The old edge trick of, you know, um, you, you completely turn the card on its head over the course of these two Elimination Chamber matches where, you know, uh, you get people end up wrestling on the opposite brand for the opposite title. And they've done that a couple of times. So there are things that you can do to, to, to keep it interesting. But I think the problem is for Seth Rollins and for, and for Becky Lynch, they've won these Royal Rumbles 
Becky Lynch, they've decided to go down the route of, okay, we're just going to put all these obstacles in front of her, which, you know, we last got with um, with Daniel Bryan, but it is a kind of tried and trusted, you know, way to do it, even if, um, I, I don't know if they've done it particularly well this time because the story doesn't have a great deal of logic. Uh, and then with Seth, it's, it's a bit like, all he's got to do for three months is point at a WrestleMania sign and say that he's going to beat Brock Lesnar. And so it's 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 a it's a big problem. I think you either disassociate the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania all together, yeah. or you have to move WrestleMania closer to the Royal Rumble, or you move Royal Rumble close to WrestleMania. But this Elimination Chamber and Fast Lane stuff, it's just a bit like it. It really does feel a lot like treading water. And I, and I think you could fill that time by saying, well, okay, let's have an extra NXT takeover there. Instead, mm. right? Let's let's mm. have an NXT UK takeover. Let's have a two hundred five live pay per view. Let's have a women's pay per view. But I think the the days of of, of a February pay per view having much use are kind of done. I mean, the women's pay per view is an idea that I had because uh, oddly enough, I mean, I didn't know you were going to bring this up on the show, but oddly enough, I was thinking about this just the other day, and I thought, you know, why not make one of the two of them another all women's pay per view or something? But I mean, I suppose it gets to the point where if you start doing more and more women's pay-per-views, you kind of go, what's the point of them being on, you know, like, are you going to have you know, gender-exclusive <laughs> gender pay-per-views? I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I think this year, the I've, I've not really had an issue with the direction they've gone so far, and I underscore that part, with the Seth Lesnar feud and with the Becky Charlotte Ronda thing. Because I think at the minute, both of them, they just, and it's curious because I don't think you necessarily think on this until, you know, it's not something that immediately springs to mind until you start to really mull it over. But this is really probably the first time since before John Cena came to prominence. You know, so you're, talk, you're talking almost 20 years that you've got two major title matches at WrestleMania, both of which feature a challenger that the fans very genuinely are behind against a champion the fans very genuinely want to see lose like you've got to go back a long long time uh before you can you can pick up the last example of that and obviously you know cm punk was very popular in his day but at wrestlemania he was often pitted against people that like with the undertaker people wanted punk to win so it, it didn't lack that you know it like it, and it wasn't a time match and with jericho you know i mean you could argue that that was maybe the last instance but I think it, 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 both the top feuds at WrestleMania this year feel refreshing just for that fact that you've got a very that it feels like WWE are actually building towards two matches that people want. And, um, you know, the whole Charlotte, Ronda, Becky thing is a conversation we might get into later, I suppose. But building into two matches people want, featuring two challenges people organically, very naturally support. And that feels refreshing. So I think they've both benefited from that. Uh, so far, I mean, with the Seth thing, I dare say it would be taking, it would be looking very different if it wasn't for the fact that he was resting. I think his back, yeah, is, is what the rumors have said. Yeah. Um, but for what it's worth, I think to say that he's obviously been limited in what he can do, and, and they're limited in what Lesnar can do. I think they've so far again underscored they've paced it relatively well. They had him, you know, they had the run in the night after the Royal Rumble, six F5s. You sell it the next week by not having Rollins on TV. Granted, the TV show uh, suffered for it, but nonetheless. And then you have Rollins come back out and, and they did the promo with Heyman this week that I thought worked well. It's it's just where you go from that point because that's essentially, I mean, that's it really. That's the build in, in, in four weeks. Yeah. You know, and, and, when you, and when you think it's exactly what we were saying, like that's the typical span 
if it was WrestleMania this Sunday, perfect. Um, you know, you could maybe argue it doesn't really have a lot of, of kind of, um, you know, I hate to use the word, but a lot of momentum. It doesn't feel like it's gathered pace yet. Um, but, you know, what we're, what we're talking about is them exhausting things for these for these characters to do well ahead of time. And you've still got to wait, wait out to mm. WrestleMania. And that's something that we've said in previous years. I remember WrestleMania 30 particularly. We spoke about, um, you know, I think it might have been on the, on the show. Two before weeks before it was ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that they, they'd kind of run out of stuff to do and it's it's been a, a chronic issue so i'm i'm absolutely fully on board i think you know the other thing is i've I, it's always sort of baffled me why they feel the need to um sort of we talked we sort of touched on this either last week or the week before about pay-per-view lineages and having the same pay-per-views in the same spots every every month like why do why do you have to have a favorite pay-per-view every single year yeah. You know, like, like, why not just bury it up one year? Don't do it the next year. Do it, you know, and, and, and do it that way. I mean, I imagine it's all to do with how they book arenas and stuff, but um, creatively, it definitely does pose problems. Yeah, it does. And so, I mean, and also if you look at I mean, if you look at uh, this card and you also look at the Smackdown exclusive one from 2017, I mean, they are awful pro wrestling mm. cards and it may prove us wrong, but it is not looking like it's going to be a good show, to put it to put it mildly. Um, all right, let's get into it then. So the pre-show match is uh, Buddy Murphy, the cruiserweight champion, uh, up against Akira Tozawa. Um, so I mean, Murphy's been champ for an awfully long time now, hasn't he? So Tozawa's been obviously given the storyline where he's saying, "Well, I beat the king of the cruiserweights, and no one, you know, no one could beat him, and I beat him," which I think is quite a nice way to build him up. Mm over a short space of time. I like Tozawa. I, I always be um, all in on him being cruiserweight champion myself because I didn't think he got enough of a run last time, but um, I doubt it will come so much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like what they've done playing on and surprised at what they've done playing on, on the whole King of the Cruiserweights, given that it's going to remind people of someone who's now working for the, the, the competition. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, I, I think it's a shame what's happened to 205 Live again. It feels like to me because, you know, and, and it all goes back to what we have said time and time again and what we said this time last year uh, going into WrestleMania last year. They should have put that title on Mustafa Ali. And I, and I don't want to sound like a broken record because we've spoken about this a lot, but it came up on Twitter earlier today. I was talking to uh, our friend Sam from, from Down Under. And I was, that's my Australian accent, by the way. And uh, my, uh, and I think maybe 205 Clive, and we were talking about, um, you know, the fact that it doesn't, that the, the show seems to have regressed a little bit rather than move forward. And I said, well, this is what happens when you put the championship on Cedric Alexander, which was a bad idea, and then Buddy Murphy, which was a bad idea. And both of them have had good matches and contributed well to the show, but they're not the kind of performers or characters that you can, and, and the evidence is there now that you can build a brand around. You know, Mustafa Ali was someone who fought his way to the top. Neville was someone who fought his way and, and just exuded star presence. Those are the kind of guys that you build a brand around, not Cedric and and uh, and buddy so you know maybe they'll give akira a shot i think what they need to do is is i think keep the for me i'd i'd have buddy murphy win i'd just keep the championship on him and, and spend some time heading towards wrestlemania actually actively allowing someone to get themselves popular in the way that mustafa ali did by letting them go out there and put on sympathetic underdog performances or, or eye-catching performances but but performances that emote and don't just impress and then move that, put the title off of Murphy onto them, and then anchor the show around them. Is is what I'm 
you know, of the belief of. Of course, you've got the other problem, um, which is that 205 Live's been messed about in terms of, you know, yeah. um, it was taped for a while and it got hot because people were watching it again. And then it's kind of not, you know, it's going back to being live. And, um, you know, it's 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 this per, it's going to be this thing where it, it seems to go in cycles, doesn't it? Like, you know, people were bagging it because, you know, they were on Raw, but then they also had their own show. And then people uh, sort of got into it. And then obviously this time last year you had the Drake Maverick uh, GM character that, that sort of um, and the tournament, which kind of gave it a shot in the arm and, and put a lot of eyes on it again. And then obviously, like you say, I mean, the whole way that Ali anchored that show as the sort of the uh, the heart and soul of 205 Live was was brilliantly done. And I think it's, it's, it's obviously great that he's moved on to SmackDown. But they, what they didn't do is they didn't have a ready made babyface replacement for him. And that's yeah. the, probably the problem that they're having. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, may, it may even be a case of, you know, recruit from outside. I mean, um Kushida's, I believe, set to move to WWE, so are the rumours anyway. Now that he's finished up with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I don't know if you've ever watched any of his any of his matches over there. I've seen two or three of them, and I, I you know, from what I've seen, he's he's one of my, you know, given my limited, very limited exposure to NJPW, what I have had to it, he's been one of my, my favourites. So maybe he's someone that you can bring in and start almost start from scratch with. But WWE always seem to be very hesitant about fully embracing... Uh, particularly Japanese wrestlers. I mean, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura had his moment in the sun. Asuka has sort of, I mean, even now she's, she wasn't even on SmackDown Live this week, I think, even though she's the women's champion, which is just mm. insane. I mean, um, Asuka and, has been a know, victim of all this, hasn't she? Of all this sort of, you know, stuff that's going on with Charlotte and Becky. It's kind of, she's been the casualty of that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, Hideo Itami, you know, granted sort of injuries maybe derailed him a little bit there, but he never really got a fair shake at, because there was a guy I thought you could build 205 Live around because he was someone who, and I thought you saw that in the, I don't know if you've watched it, I have the watched Cruiser it, yeah. pre-show match at the Royal Rumble, like he was presented as the star of that match in every way. Uh, like the biggest threat in the match, the biggest star in the match. You know, he had the most star presence. And then, of course, we know that he asked for his release and and, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. But I thought that was someone you could you could build up the show around. They just need to move away from, from putting the championship on. Oh, this guy has exciting matches for people. So we'll, you know, because I think that that Top 5 Live needs more than that to succeed. I think you've seen that through Ali and, and stuff. So, um I mean, ultimately, I think what we'll probably get on the pre-show on Sundays is just another Buddy Murphy match, not to talk mm. them down, but, you know. Although, I mean, to be fair, I I, uh, I watched one of his very early tag team matches from NXT the other day, and, I mean, fair play to the guy. He hasn't half improved, so I mm. <laughs> give him all the credit in the world for that. Um, but, yeah. I, mean, I It's I, worth saying that I think, you know, he's a talented performer, but, you know, I'm not trying to... Um, to anyone listening, I'm not trying to talk down his talent or his ability, but I just I'm not convinced. It's what I always say, you know, you need to be more than just a great athlete to be a great pro wrestler. I think that much is obvious. Oh yeah, of course. And I think the other thing is that, um, I mean, you mentioned Atami there. It seems from that backstage goodbye video that that, that oh. was very emotive that he was just very very homesick. I think as much as anything yeah. else, um, as opposed to kind of any axe to grind with the way that he was being used. Um, and I, you know, having done five years in living in Florida I think he was probably ready for something else but but yeah I, th- I think um yeah we'll, we'll like you say we'll, we'll get a, an exciting match but maybe nothing that you can really grab hold of emotionally 
Um, okay, so on to the main card. Uh, let's start with this horrible disaster of a SmackDown Tag Championships match. We won't spend too much time on this. Um, so, what's it? Uh, Mook Miz TV now, um, which is just, just like a horrendous idea in itself. And it's a bit like, they're all, I mean, to be honest, like one of the other things about this Road to WrestleMania um, business is there are certain matches and certain angles that you can just see coming from yeah. uh, about... 30 miles away and yeah. this this one is so obviously heading down that i kicked your leg out of your leg that I, you know it's just it's painful to, to to see them rehash one of the great angles in pro wrestling uh with and these it's, two it's, jabronis but it's crazy as well isn't it it's like you you've gone to you you've made them tag team just quite literally just so you can split them up as the fuel for a match between them at WrestleMania. That's how out of ideas they seem to be. Oh, it's a bit like you said before though, right? They are crowbarring these part-timers onto the show at this point. And there's no place for Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Um, But in the absence of the undertaker and the potential absence of John Cena, who knows it it seems potential absence of triple H. And of course the absolute absence of Jericho like it, it may be that suddenly the decree is well in that case Shane you've got to work because I'm not sure Shane McMahon wants to be doing all this really um, it's not as if I don't think he's the one going to Vince and saying right you've got to put me on this show and make me tag champion I don't think he's doing that uh, <laughs> at, at all it's it's this paranoia we've talked about before about you know let's we've got to get these guys in the show and the people that suffer for it and interesting enough, I've always thought this about throwing together tag teams a lot of the time. Like, I really hated it when The Undertaker and Kane used to tag because I remember being really distinctly annoyed for Edge and Christian and the Dudleys that they had to, like, play second fiddle for a whole pay-per-view build to, you know, two of the, the top singles wrestlers in the company. It's a bit like, it's not your place to be wrestling in the tag division. Like, leave the guys that, you know, are, are kind of specialists to do that stuff you know i mean i grew up with specialist tag wrestlers i don't like it when you know singles wrestlers are just working the tag division all the time it's long for the days where monsoon and ventura would describe someone as a tag team specialist indeed well that's i mean this is Um, the thing this is why the revival i think you know struck such a chord in nxt it was uh, was because they you know, they have obviously committed to being a career tag team in a way well, that very it, few yeah. other teams have done over the last and 20 years. Absolutely. And what's clear from, you know, I mean, there's this, just this, I mean, sometimes they can get a bit annoying on Twitter for my liking, but, the, you know, this last week they were tweeting about the, following the rules, uh, you know, and, and tweeting out what the rules of tag team matches are and stuff. It's very clear they see the artistry in tag team wrestling. You know, they see it as a very legitimate, which of course it is, very legitimate form of, of wrestling, and, and it was good to see them get the raw titles this week. I, it's a shame. I hope. I mean, to be honest, I hope WWE just say, you know what, they've been wrestling 45-minute tag matches on the house show circuit, so we'll just fill up an hour of Raw with them one week. Like, why not? Um, but, yeah, it's, like you say, crowbarring part-timers in. I mean, with the thing with Shane McMahon is, is that out of all of the part-timers we've suffered through in recent years... He should be, and I emphasize the word should, be one of the less insufferable ones to me. Because you think about the stuff he was doing in, in the late 90s and early noughties, and it was all very entertaining, you know, and the matches were, were genuinely very good. But they weren't competitive. 
You know, yeah. he, he wasn't being presented as, I mean, I know he was European champion for a while, but he kind of was all through shenanigans and, and you know, he wasn't, it was kind of done as in it's, he shouldn't be European champion, but he kind of is. And that's what makes him a bad guy and stuff, you know, but it's like, since he came back, he's been presented as, as being either on par with or better than some of the best wrestlers, active wrestlers on the roster. And it's like, if you can't see how that presents issues within the fiction that you're presenting to viewers, then I, I, you know, I don't know what to say to you because it's it's self-evidently an issue if that's the case. And the fact that now he's tag team champion, the one thing that I would say is they absolutely have to lose this match for the sake of the viability of of believing in the integrity of a SmackDown tag team division because the Usos are the most iconic team of their generation. So Shane McMahon and the Miz, who've been partners for all of a month and wrestled one match together as a tag team, beat them. You know, I mean that just completely sends out the wrong signal. We've got. Uh, I, what I would say is I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's absolutely heading down the kick your leg out of your under your leg thing, but I'm not sure. I think the Usos might win uh, at uh, Elimination Chamber, and then of course there's no more automatic rematches, so Shane and Miz will find a way to get a rematch at Fast Lane, uh, and then that's when you might get the the leg out of under your leg yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean this is the, it might not be yet. Might it? this might just be the beginning of the end, the beginning of the tease. Um, sucks, sucks for the Usos, um, who are again uh, a team that have done, you know, nothing but good things. Even when they were horrible, stale baby faces, you know, in that sort of 2016 region, they were still putting on entertaining matches even then. And you know, since they kind of they had their, you know, their kind of brand extension inspired heel turn, um, you know, they've just been incredibly consistent. Them, the bar, you know. Those are, are teams that that have kind of really flown the banner for, for tag wrestling on the main roster, at least until, you know, teams like the Revival started actually getting a chance um, to, to show what they can do. So, yeah, we could just hope things are back to normal. I mean, we could just ignore this, this WrestleMania match and then um, get on with our lives, I suppose. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, by all the the traditional laws of logic in pro wrestling, which of course we know don't really apply in WWE, uh, the Uso should make very short work of a makeshift team that's not a team like the Miz and Shane McMahon. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the same with the bar. There's absolutely no way in the world that the bar should be jobbing to, to Miz and Shane McMahon. But, but right. unfortunately, that's kind of where we uh, where we ended up. Um, okay, so another ridiculous match that I can't get my head around. Um, <laughs> Bobby Lashley, who is the Intercontinental Champion, another fact I find it difficult to get my head around. Um, and Instead of Dean Ambrose. Oh, yeah. I mean, thinking back, that was maybe the, the most obvious clue that, that he was going. Because the week before, wasn't it, the news came out that he dropped that bell. Um, so Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush uh, against Ben Bella. Um, I mean... Like, what is it with WWE and handicap matches? Like, they had, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against AJ Styles, which was particularly stupid because that was, like, two main eventers against one main eventer, and the one main eventer still won. It's AJ Styles. <laughs> got to Do you know what I realised the other day? Is we haven't had a WWE title match not featuring AJ Styles since, uh, since October of 2017. Jesus Christ. Just uh, yeah, it boggles Which the mind. Which is beyond ludicrous. That does that does really boggle the mind. Um, so essentially, this has kind of become 
Bobby Lashley telling Finn Balor that he's better than Brock Lesnar, and then uh, Finn Balor posting funny memes on Twitter of Bobby Lashley. And as far as I can, as far as I can tell, that's basically the story. <laughs> Some of those memes have given me a chuckle. Oh actually. yeah, no, yeah. Uh... Finns are actually <laughs> fairly good value on Twitter as these things go. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, it's it's not up to much, is it? I mean, I I, I appreciate going out of the Lesnar feud into a into a Lashley, Lashley feud in terms of how they presented it as Lashley is a comparable comparable competitor to Lesnar and the whole Lesnar thing was making you know Finn making people believe he could beat someone like Lesnar so I I kind of see the merit in 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 the concept but the problem is it involves Bobby Lashley so the execution is always going to be shoddy as hell um, you know, and 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 folks spare me the whole. Oh no, he's you know he's he's gotten better, and you they're not letting him do what he can do it, because Bobby Lashley is crap. Like that's just the beginning and end of the conversation, and always has been. He was <laughs> crap the first time around. I didn't watch him in TNA, but I would presume he was really kind of crap there as well. And he's been crap since day one. He came back to WWE, which we all said was a silly idea on this show. And guess what? It's turned out to be a silly idea. So. Uh, his best match since he came back, the passable match that Roman Reigns carried him to at whatever pay-per-view it was last year. Wasn't there a decent Seth TV one that he wrestled? Oh, probably at some point. But, it's you know, who doesn't have a decent set match wrestling Seth? Um, I mean, Seth got a watchable match at Mojo Rawley, of all people. <laughs> and, um, then, and then promoed on it, burying <laughs> Mojo 30 <laughs> feet you. beneath the ground. <laughs> like, you know, if ever that was, if ever there was some evidence that Seth really is Triple H's boy, like, <laughs> there it was. He got the spade out. <laughs> Very true, actually. I didn't think of that. Um, can't wait for his universal title run. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe there's a bit of a saving grace in that if they let Finn and Leo do most of the heavy lifting in terms of the action, then it could end up being quite a fun match to watch in that regard. But like you say, it's it's always a bit silly to do singles titles and handicap matches. I don't understand it. And it's it's something that because the, the, this is this is testament to their uh, weaknesses as to the weaknesses of their writing staff. Because what this smacks of is, oh, you know, we've got this long build to WrestleMania. We need to fill this pay-per-view and we need something for Finn to do. and But it needs to be different from what we're going to do and it needs to be different from what we've done. So uh, the only thing we can do is a handicap match. You know, because they, they just think so literally. Instead of thinking literally about the characters or the story or the themes and just building towards a one-on-one match that, you know, that develops some character or develops the story that they started between Finn and, and Lesnar and stuff. It's just... It's testament to their lack of creativity, to that compartmentalization that we always talk about on the show of, of the product. And it's testament to their inability to do anything other than thinking the most surface level basic terms. Yeah, that is, I mean, ultimately that's the problem, isn't it? Um, and you just end up with, you just end up with these kind of people that, that Vince has signed, you know, clogging up the way for everybody else yeah and it... i mean it's, it's it's this is lazy writing there's no other way to describe it it's absolutely the height of lazy writing because if you put some effort in and you actually think about things then you can easily come up with something better than two-on-one handicap match for the ic title with finn posting memes on on twitter but yeah, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, because the whole thing was meant to be Finn gave Brock Lesnar a run for his money. Bobby Lashley is like, well, I'm better than Brock Lesnar. Why don't you fight me? 
Lashley's got the title. Finn is like, okay, if I can't be Universal Champion, then IC Champion will do. Uh, you know, even if they put that much effort into it, it was it would have been better. This is it. And, you know, two weeks ago on, on Sports Entertainment is Dead, I, I talked about uh, six different character arcs that I thought could easily write themselves heading towards WrestleMania and spoke about what I thought they could do. And this is this was one of them. You know, Finn, the, the, the match with Brock Lesnar was all about Finn Balor making people believe that he could beat Brock Lesnar, right? Which is, you know, fantastic. And the way that they, uh, they uh, sort of, that they had Finn describe the aftermath of that match was, oh, Brock only beat me down because I made a believer out of him. But ultimately, someone like Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley coming that long ago, well, look, it's all well and good you, you, you saying all of this, but you lost. You didn't beat him. You said you would. You, people should believe in you beating him, and you didn't beat him because you can't beat him because you can't beat people like me. You know, I mean, it's just, it's simple. It's simple. It writes itself, you know, and then you carry on the theme of Finn's plight to make people into a believer. You have him lose again, then there's serious doubt. Now he's doubting himself. You know, the character develops, the character evolves. This is not difficult. No, indeed, indeed. And the thing is, as well, you know how it's going to go because whenever you have a handicap match, um, the baby face always ends up winning anyway. So well, the whole why? point, the whole point, <laughs> the whole point of it being like you know the deck being stacked against him. Well, it's not really because everyone knows that the person that's got the two on one um, never actually ends up winning. So yeah, it's all a bit of a waste of time, as Mazza said in our chat. Um, uh, this smells like shark cage coming next. Oh God! <laughs> so yeah, I know. Prepare and, yourself. And also, by by the way, what a waste to have taken the run that the Intercontinental Championship has had, not just with Ziggler and Seth last year, but with the Miz before that, and to you've put it on Bobby Lashley. Yeah, that sums it up, doesn't it? You know, it's just like you, you. There's a reason why performers of the style of Miz and Ziggler and Seth got the Intercontinental, and before them, Dean and Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens got the Intercontinental Championship back to where it was last over the course of last year. Uh, and it's because you didn't put it on performers like Ryback. No, indeed. Uh, and this is the problem, is it? It's a bit like you feel like in the current climate, they're signing all these people, they're trying to keep them all happy. Bobby Lashley's come back from TNA. They probably promised him stuff they couldn't give him. All right, have the IC title. And that's bad. That's bad business all around, really. It is. And even if it's not that, Finn Balor is sat right there. Like, if you can't see how Finn Balor screams intercontinental champion, then you've not been watching WWE for the last 30 years. Well, hopefully this is this is what, what ends up happening here because, you know, it's clear that Finn built some momentum from that challenge against Lesnar, so... It would make and sense, of, and a hell of a January in general. Yeah, so it would make sense for him for him to kind of be that that guy, having wrestle, you know, um, having wrestle somebody in a real 20, 20, 15, 20 minute IC title classic at WrestleMania, and let him, you know, build his own momentum, you know, to become a challenger for Seth Rollins, assuming Seth beats Brock, of course. Um, yeah, quite. Okay, so let's move on and have a look at, um, well, this is this is another piece of, of odd booking. So, you know, you, you basically advertise this uh, all over the marquee, Ronda versus Becky, and you have the whole, oh, no, we're going to switch switch up Becky for Charlotte, and, you know, clearly the, the, the wheels are in motion for a triple threat there. But then 
You give a Ruby Riot as a challenger of the month when you're saying to everyone that Ronda Rousey is going to be facing either Charlotte or Becky at WrestleMania. And it's a bit like, could you be any more transparent with like the fact that this is just like, you might as well have made it a non-title match. And, and of every match on the card, this is the one that exactly drives home what we were talking about at the top of the show. Because it's like you've got this February pay-per-view, you've got this March pay-per-view, and you've booked a Raw Women's Championship match when the whole world knows the WrestleMania match is going to feature Ronda. Yeah. And what baffles me most of all is that Asuka's SmackDown Women's Championship doesn't even have a match on this show. She's not even featured on the card, but you've given the title, the, the, the spot on the card to Ronda, who we know is going to, you know, to a match that's got a foregone conclusion if ever there's been one. But you can't give Asuka a match against anybody. I know, right? That, that's, that's the bit that, especially because Asuka has just come off of making, I mean, Asuka made Becky Lynch tap out. But to think that, that you wouldn't think that happened. Yeah, it's they, like it they, never happened. They haven't capitalized on it at all, have they? Um, and I think the other thing to say here is, is it seems to me the only justification for doing what they've done here is that they feel like Rousey needs more work. You know, if she's going to be in the main event, the yeah. main event of WrestleMania, then, you know, she's only been doing this for a year. So it wow. might be they think, all right, Ruby Riot, um, you know, decorated indie wrestler, knows what she's doing in the ring, you know, because she's just wrestled Sasha as well. So you know, if you look at, at the beginning, you know, when she was wrestling people like Nia, um, she's not likely to learn all that much from wrestling Nia Jax. But she'll learn, a, she'll learn a hell of a lot from wrestling Charlotte. She'll learn a lot from wrestling Sasha Banks. She'll learn a lot from wrestling a Ruby Riot. So I think that might be the logic behind it. But, I mean, you could just as well have done this on episodes of Raw. You didn't need to put it on pay-per-view. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, the, the advantage they've got, they're, not, they're, they're obviously not going to do this because, you know, even though sports entertainment is dead, the, the mode of thought is we've got to, quote, unquote, protect Ronda. Um you know, they could do a bit of hot potato. They've got another pay-per-view in it in a few weeks. So, you know, have Ruby cheat away to the championship and then have Ronda take it back at Fastlane if you really want to start building some some intrigue, you know, and go sort of all WrestleMania 13 with it. Yeah. Um, because then you've got Ronda and Ruby and Charlotte and Becky, and Ruby would benefit greatly from being, and the Riot Squad in general would benefit greatly from being in, in that mix. And what, what would be great to see would be if, if uh, Liv and Sarah then won the tag titles in the chamber, you know, and Riot, and Riot Squad kind of upset the whole world with this shock, you know, emerging out of the pay-per-view with all the gold and, uh, on Raw. But um, they obviously won't do that. I think... Th- I can't... I don't know. I mean, you and I have different opinions of uh, Ronda's ring work. I think I've probably been kinder to it than you have but it's certainly worth saying that it remains um you know shall we say unpolished and i i feel and i tweeted this out the other day people are talking like charlotte doesn't belong in that it should just be oh we should just be building to becky versus ronda and you know charlotte's just being shoehorned in to me the intruder in this thing is not charlotte or becky it's ronda yeah because because you know, Ronda has essentially, and I'm not one who, who necessarily always buys into the narrative of the outsider in pro wrestling, but if we're putting our cards on the table, the truth is Ronda wouldn't be in that company right now if it hadn't been for all the work that Charlotte and Becky helped to commit in NXT to break down those barriers. 
And in all the, in, I fear that through all the effort WWE have gone through to kind of warp the historical narrative of how women's wrestling changed in the company from being a revolution that challenged a toxic status quo to being, oh, it's always, you know, it's an evolution. It's been happening since day one. It's all about, which wasn't the case. You know, it was Charlotte and Sasha and Becky and Bailey and Paige and Emma in NXT who broke that barrier down and said, we're going to go out and we're going to be legitimate wrestlers and you're going to give us our due. You know, fans got behind that, and that's why Ronda's took Because if we were still in an age of bikini contests and bra and panties matches, there's no way in hell Ronda Rousey is even considering being a part of WWE. You know, and that's that's just it. Like, that's the, the beginning and end of the conversation. So the only reason Ronda's in this company is because of the stuff that Charlotte and Becky did. And now it comes to crunch time, possibly the first time women close out WrestleMania, which... You know, I probably don't put as much stock in as, as a lot of other people, but generally speaking, to the consensus of fans, it means a hell of a lot. Um, and you're giving it to someone who is benefiting from the work and is in the position she's in because of the work done by others. And and people will say, you know, Ronda broke barriers in UFC and in sports in general, and they've probably got a legitimate point. But, you know, as I've said a million times before, and as I say now, WWE, first of all, isn't a sport, and second of all, that had absolutely zero impact on what was happening in WWE. It's, it's a mutually exclusive thing. So to me, this match should really be Charlotte versus Becky, and Ronda shouldn't be anywhere near it. You know, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I, I, I guess the only thing I would say um, is that there have been so many Becky and Charlotte one-on-one matches. Sure. There have been so many uh, Becky-Charlotte Bailey matches, so many Becky, Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha matches. Like at a certain point, to, to, to sort of bring the division on, I think that's why. And I, I like, like you say, I haven't been the biggest um, fan of of Rousey. I think the only reason why they've had to do so much so quickly is it became clear pretty early on that she wasn't in it for the long haul. Um, I, you know, like I advocated more the the Ken Shamrock um, approach for her than, you know, being in main events and being champion really, really quickly. But but putting all that aside, I do understand that from a business perspective and from a, a, a bringing the women's division to the next level perspective, it needed that kind of fresh uh, character in there to play off the existing main event women's talents and I guess they could have anticipated that Becky would get as hot as she did I don't think the original plan would have been anything like Becky being in the main events of Wrestlemania she's kind of earned that um all by herself but I think I'm actually I mean I said when we had Doc on I'd prefer it to be one-on-one because it's cleaner and because every big women's match at Wrestlemania thus far apart from Asuka Charlotte has been a multi- person match and I think it would be um, better if you're doing the first ever women's main event match at Wrestlemania for it to be one-on-one and for it to get the full Rock and Austin um, you know uh, promo video treatment and just make it look amazing I think a triple threat uh, is a bit of a cop-out but at the same time undoubtedly the triple threat will be a better match aesthetically because you'll have two people that are very experienced and you'll have Ronda who can do some crazy athletic shit. So 
from that point of view, it's it's one of the, it's, it's two things. It's right. It's it's this, it's a better match if it's a triple threat, but it's a better story if it's one on one. That's kind of where I am with it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's worth me reinforcing here that that in general terms, I have you know, I mean, I'm on board with the with the match, whether it's triple threat or one on one. Uh, you know, I have no real actual issue with Ronda being in in the WrestleMania main event. Um, I'm just saying that my point was more when it comes to if we're going to have if if we're going to have a conversation about someone who doesn't belong in the match, which oh, yeah. to me seems to be a petulant conversation to have, then to me it's not Charlotte who doesn't belong. It's it's Ronda. But that's only if you want to have that conversation. I think in general terms, what they've done so far has been largely effective i mean i think i i have a lot of issues with with the way that becky lynch has been characterized really since november um and the way that she's presented herself since november which is you know dangerously teetering on the bray wyatt route of making some big promises and not backing them up um but but typically speaking you know the i mean her popularity among the fan base is to be disputed and uh, people are, are, as I said earlier, you know, it's it's one of two matches where you have a challenger chasing championship that people genuinely want to organically succeed. Um, I suppose. Oh, I, I I should correct myself. Brian obviously was, of course, the latest example of that in 2014. But other than him, which was very much an exception, I think that proved the rule. Um, you know, you, you have this situation, which is which is a great one to see. So. But yeah, I mean, in terms of Sunday, it, it's sad that it means that it's all a foregone conclusion. I can't help but think that it would have been much better off having been a SmackDown Live Women's Championship match on this card. because Especially because SmackDown Live and the Women's Championship on that show has a hell of a lot more legwork to get in if it's going to have a, a, a featured match at WrestleMania, which makes me fear that we're going to get some clusterfuck that's, that's, you know, three years regressive. Or it will be on the pre-show. Or it will be on the pre-show, which frankly, Asuka deserves a hell of a lot more. Like I said, I, I maintain my opinion that Charlotte versus Asuka should have closed out WrestleMania last year. Um, I think also the other thing to me about this whole Charlotte situation, I know we've got weeks to get into this whole thing. I think both of us are a bit baffled by all the commotion about it. But, I mean, I suppose it's good in a way that wrestling fans actually care about something. Like, you know, that's kind of, I think that in a way, that's whether I agree with them or disagree with them. Like, um, I think that's promising in itself, really. But... Yeah. Um, it, 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 it energises the fan base at a time of year when you want to be energised. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. And uh, I guess the, the reason why I would be against Charlotte being added to um, the main event, or I guess assumed main event, is that I would have really liked a Charlotte Asker too. Um, to, because you've got all that story to play off. Asuka has beaten Becky, who is the person that's, you know, transcending boundaries and all the rest of it. Um, so she's got her heat back big time. Charlotte has got a chip on her shoulder because, you know, she was legitimately in an, in the Rumble in an Iron, Iron Woman run and Becky has kind of cheated away in. So she's got an axe to grind. Give them a one-on-one match and let them tear the house down again. You know, I think that would have been a, a better way to do it. I can understand the way they've gone. I can totally understand it. My personal preference has been for two singles matches, but, you know. And I think, I think I mean, I'm certainly on board with that, and I think a lot of wrestling fans would want that. I think if we got Becky versus Ronda and Charlotte versus Asuka as two separate women's title matches, people would be well into it. And I think it's worth saying, again, you know, we've got the pay-per-view on Sunday, and then we've got another pay-per-view between here and WrestleMania. So there's still loads of time left for them to manoeuvre themselves into that situation 
if they want to. Um, but I, I fear that, uh, well, I fear is a strong word. I think that we're going to get the, the triple threat at this point. My only issue, which, you know, I, you know I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Like you say, I, I would prefer a one-on-one, but triple threat, fine. I do have an issue, again, with the sheer laziness of how they've set that up, though. Yes, which it amounts yeah. to Vince McMahon comes out and suspends Becky and puts Charlotte in the match instead. Like, come on, give us something. Well, also, after uh, an entire rigmarole where they all came out and said they're no longer interested in screwing wrestlers, like, they're just there to, you know, yeah. facilitate everyone having a good time, etc., etc., and then we're back to, you know, uh, essentially the authority manipulating everybody against each other. And it's a bit like you just literally came out and said that was ending. And I know they're heels and they're not meant to, you know, necessarily keep their promises. But I thought that was kind of dumb. It was very dumb. And it and the other thing is as well. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, so <laughs> so why, yeah, why was it dumb? Oh God, I can't. I, I, it's, it's gone. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll, we'll just we'll just <laughs> if kind it comes of... back to me. I'll talk over you and interrupt you. Uh, excellent. We'll just slide. We'll just slide <laughs> on for the moment. So, so poor old Ruby. Obviously, she gets at least she gets a you know a sort of a feature match on the same show oh, that, that has stable mates gone. It's it's come it's come back to me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mav. That's all right. Um, you're used to me by now. Um, the it's it. I tell you why they've done it. I think they've done it because they've seen everybody going, oh, Becky's the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. And they cannot resist because it's so easy for them and so familiar to them. The whole rebel superstar against the overbearing, you know, conniving evil boss narrative, which is which just makes me want to double down, actually, on my cynicism towards the whole Becky Lynch thing. I mean, yeah, it's it's totally tired, and and you know, there's a reason why after Brian they should have just left it well alone. I mean, even with Seth, I have my misgivings about some of that storyline for the same reason. It's like, how many times can you run? Because I mean, bear in mind that that Seth's one even came a year after Roman Reigns has been booked well, in a it. similar yeah. thing, and it's a, and it, and you know, last year we finally had a rest from it, um, and it's a bit like, well, you know, like you can't keep insulting people's intelligence with um uh this is a multi uh multi-millionaire businessman who likes to sabotage his most popular wrestlers like yeah, for how long can that really fly and and this is the thing you know people people rush to the austin comparison anytime someone seems to get relatively popular um, and and it's you know you, you kind of go no it's nothing like that because you know you, on a surface level it may look like that but the Austin McMahon thing was was very specific to its time you know and, and was the culmination of a lot of very unique events all happening kind of around the same period you know it, it, and 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 it's just more to the point you know frankly to be blunt about it Austin, Becky it just isn't in Austin's league as a performer first of all. Um, uh, second of all, the writing, when you consider that, you know, you want to compare it to Austin, fine. Becky Lynch tapped out. She lost. Well, first of all, she lost the title in the one match she wrestled in two months at the back end of last year. Then she tapped out at the Royal Rumble to ask her. Then she got a leg kicked out from under a leg in the Royal Rumble after she cheated to get in, which she did by begging an official to do it rather than just doing it. And now most recently, she's actually gone out and apologized cap in hand to authority figures when they told her to. You know, so like the writing's completely skew if as well. 
And and so I do take issue with what they did with how they inserted Charlotte into this thing because you know you've got fans going oh well it's you know it's like Evil McMahon and and Austin again so it's it's like that thing and you go no 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 it's it's nothing like that first of all and second of all there was a you know you could have done it in a far more organic fashion considering the fact that Charlotte's got a legitimate axe to grind as you said earlier because Becky wasn't even an official entrant in the Royal Rumble and since when can fucking Finley of all people decide who enters a Royal Rumble match. You know, when was he last on television? When was he last an authoritative figure? Try never. You know, so the whole thing just is is just so crap in terms of how unimaginative it is. The end result, I have no issue with. The way where we're headed, fine. But the way we're getting there, come on. You know, it's pathetic. Put some effort in. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And I think it's just, as we were saying, um, you know, uh, at least for Ruby Riot, you know she gets a um, uh, a feature match on a on a big on a big show, and her statements at the same time are in the elimination chamber. So you know, as a potential like nice one night story for yes. the Riot Squad there. So I I don't object to that in the least. Um, and I'd love it if Ruby Ruby snuck a, a victory out, even if it was just to carry the title for a couple of weeks. I think that'd be great. Yeah, and so- I think that I think that'd make the whole storyline so much more compelling for a few weeks as well that's true i mean it would set the cat among the pigeons a little bit which i think is what this road to wrestlemania needs is a bit of that uh, cliche coming a bit of that wrestlemania 13 spirit um because yeah it's it's all too um monotonous and predictable which is i think is what we have criticized um a lot of times on on this show about wrestlemania in recent years it's it's shared universe, like, you know, you've got, because then it would start to feel like things are really kind of, you know, escalating out of control because you've got, you know, Vince insert and Charlotte in the match and Becky Lynch trying to get the match but getting suspended and then Ruby taking the title off Ronda who sort of wants to wrestle Becky but has to wrestle Charlotte, only she's not because now Ronda's involved and all right, squad, you know, you've got those characters all bumping up against each other and it's not all, as we, as we constantly bang on about on this show, it's not all just compartmentalised, you know, it's not wrestler A and wrestler B have feud A. Yeah, no, that's the thing, isn't it? it, it it's um, it, it's badly in need of some, you know, some injection of unpredictability. I think this road to WrestleMania is a bit like, yes, it's positive that 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 you know stuff people want to happen is happening, um, but the way that they're getting there, it, it's just a bit. Um, it's very formulated. Yeah, it's a bit jigsaw puzzle. Um, anyway, right, let's. Uh, Let's move on to the two elimination chambers then. Um, so we've got the, the women's tag chamber. What about, uh, uh, what about <laughs> Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin? I can't help but notice you missed that. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's because actually my, my Wikipedia, I was actually kind of like, I hadn't scrolled all the way down the cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's just at the bottom there, like number seven. Um, yeah. There's nothing, really, there's nothing really to say, is there? It's like... If you've not learned by now that Baron Corbin shouldn't be all over Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I mean, what are you ever going to learn? Quite. Um, I mean, this, to be honest. I, 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 go on. Yeah, to be honest, it's just because it's something that's, that's just that, that's a leftover feud from, you know, from November, really. It's, and it's, it's been going it's ever Raw's, since. It's Raw's Shane and Miz, isn't it? I mean, but it's been going forever. It, it's like, you know, it's like these AJ Styles title feuds, except, you know, without a title or good wrestling. 
I mean, like it's funny. I I I, I can't help but feel sorry for Baron Corbin. He's never been my favourite um, performer. But but you're talking about a guy who came in um, to NXT as an ex you know American football player. Um, they package him as this lone wolf character. They give him like a squash gimmick. He beats people in less than ten seconds for a while. And, you know he he goes up through the ball Dempseys of the world. He you know he kind of works his way up to the kind of main event level in NXT. Um, you know, and I was never I was the world's biggest fan of him, but but you know you could see his constant improvement, and he obviously wanted to do well. And he gets to the main roster. He doesn't do much for a little while. Uh, but he gets this opportunity with the Money in the Bank briefcase, seen his shits all over it, and then ever since he's just been, you know, cut adrift. Even you know, they finally give him the opportunity to this this kind of like semi GM thing or whatever it was called, and you know, and it, the the writing was so bad that he was done from the beginning, and there he is still walking around like an idiot in a waistcoat when he's not even playing an authority yeah. figure anymore, and he he just. Yeah. It, it just feels like they've done the exact opposite to what you should do with any big man. Like they're having him hide in limousines, getting pushed around all over the place. It's like he's acting like Leo Rush when he's six for eight. The thing is, um, and by the way, not to correct you, uh, Mav, but you uh, you really meant to say greatest of all time, John Cena. Um, I'll never say that. Killed another career. Uh, I think it's Vince McMahon's latest edict that whenever someone says John Cena, they've got to prefix it with the greatest of all time now on on Royal. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I I think I've been a fan of Baron Corbin in the past. I thought he had a really big upside uh, when he was sort of doing stuff in NXT. I really, really liked his match with Samoa Joe. I think it was like the first Brooklyn takeover Brooklyn that they did. And I thought that he had a lot of talent, and I thought he could he could really succeed on once he got to the main roster. And I think he's had moments on the main roster. You know, he had a nice little IC title feud with Dean that resulted in a good match at WrestleMania that, of course, got bumped because everyone decided to get fake outraged at the fact that the women's SmackDown women's title match that year was supposed to get bumped. But you know, as we know, the Dean Ambrose only ended up on the pre-show because he's a massive disappointment. Um, I'm getting sidetracked into a very bitter bitter part of my fandom there, but. Um, I think the issue has been uh, it, it's similar, actually, to what I was saying about Shane Ely, is It's a presentation thing. Like, how can you feel? And we've we've spoken in a show in the distant past about. Do you remember the show we did where we were talking about putting people in, in a place where they can succeed, positioning people so they can succeed? Having Baron Corbin coming out doing talky segments, wrestling in a suit, being the the Machiavellian politician is clearly not. Putting you know a six foot nine or whatever he is ex football player in a position to succeed, like that's so it's so obvious. Yeah. You know Baron Corbin's best moments have been in things like Royal Rumbles, where he comes in and he just lays waste, and it's 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 fast paced smash mouth offense. Uh, you know it's it's what it's the kind of offense you would expect to see from an ex football player. You know, speedy and uh, speedy and powerful, and you know, I mean, this is a guy who single-handed eliminated Braun Strowman in the two, 2017 Royal Rumble match, uh, and I and I, at the time when that happened, I was like, oh, there's a you know, there's a match I'd like to see. Now we've got to see it, and it's like I would rather burning pins in my eyes while Satan throws a bucket of piss in my face than I would sit and watch Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin at this point, and it's all because they have. Uh, 
you know, dressed Baron Corbin up in a suit, you know, which if you're running a storyline with that, that's one thing, you know, even if that's ill-advised, it's still one thing, I get it. But like you say, it's it's not even a thing anymore. He's not, he's got no authority backstage. He's not an authority figure. He's, you know, so why why would he even want to still be wrestling in a suit? Well, there? no, particularly as if you, if you watch, you know, Breaking Ground, which I wish, really wish they'd bring that back, you know, because I thought that was a really, uh, I agree, yeah. a really good show. But, but, you know, on that, you know, he is... I'd love to see a, I'd love to see a UK version. That would be interesting. Uh, although I'm not sure, I'm not sure you could, you could cope with uh, Tyler Bates' outfits. Um, <laughs> but, but like, you know, he he's obviously like a bit of a rocker, right? He, you know, there's loads of scenes in Break Ground where he basically goes to, uh, you know, goes to gigs, and you know, he, you know, like he really does wear the type of stuff that he was wearing in the ring when he first debuted in XT. Like, you know, he's all kind of, you know, drainpipe jeans and band t-shirts yep. and leather jackets and beanies, right? So it doesn't make any sense for it. It'd be like you know, the, the famous argument between CM Punk and The Undertaker, like, oh, Undertaker is telling <laughs> CM Punk he should wear a suit because he was WWE champion, and, like, Punk kind of like, no. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, but, yeah, so he's, he's really, I do feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for Braun Strowman as well. They've both absolutely got the shaft in the last six months. So, um, I, I pity them. I imagine it will be brief and it will be a squash. So, I mean... We needn't talk much more about it than that, I don't suppose. Um, yes, quite. Uh, tag Elimination Chamber then. Um, so interesting um, news this week that Sasha Banks is potentially unable to compete. So at time of recording, the rumour is she will not and that Bailey's going to go in the pod by herself, which is quite interesting. Is um, that the latest? Because I've, I've se- So I've seen two news items on my Twitter today. One of which said that she wasn't cleared, and one of which said that she was. Yeah, quite. So, so the the most recent I saw was that she wasn't cleared, and that Bailey, if that's the case, is going to go in by herself. Um, oh, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, there's an article on LOP. There's no timestamp on it, but it's the it's the one nearest the top that says she is okay to go for elimination. Generally. Right. So it, it's uns- <laughs> welcome yeah. to the IWC. <laughs> yeah, as always with these rumours, it's kind of uncertain, isn't it? Like, you know, so so she could be in it, she could not be in it. I think either way, like if Bailey has to do it by herself, that makes it an interesting story. If Bailey has to have a mystery partner, that's also vaguely interesting. If Sasha's okay to go, so much the better. Although if you're injured, maybe the nice chamber is not maybe the best place to rehab it. But you know, <laughs> um, like when. Like when Daniel Bryan came out, came back after a year-long uh, concussion-related injury, and they went, "Okay, we'll put you in a ladder match at WrestleMania." Oh, quite. Um, so we've got Nijax and Tamina, um, the Riot Squad. So Liv and Sarah uh, re- representing the Riot Squad. Mandy and Sonya, of course, the X Absolution, um, the Iconics. Be still my heart. Um, <laughs> Bailey and Sasha and Naomi and Carmella. Good God, how absolutely gross! I didn't realise that was the that was the last team in there. Okay, um, <laughs> just like oh God, I just I just had a horrible vision of Naomi like climbing oh, the the bloody cell and doing something stupid off it, like a rear view off the cell. Um, <laughs> yeah, rear view off a pod. Um, yeah, off the bullet, off the bullet, off the Lexane pod. pod yeah, <laughs> God, the Lexane. If they do Nia spearing somebody through the Lexane, I mean, oh, honestly, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's like it is. It is one of those matches because it's the first 
first well it's not the first women's elimination chamber because they had one singles one last year didn't they but it's the first tag female elimination chamber so you're bound to see some like some total nonsense going on in this i, I would think um especially just, given just, that the uh, the male tag one last year was well, not last year when it took place a few years ago was particularly nonsensical it was terrible um especially because new day had all three members in it which seemed a bit unfair but um, oh, that, that was at the height of that kind of um they were like our oh, free bird rule so all three of us get to compete which at least at, at least it was just it just amusing. seems curious to me that that was just like presumed and nobody thought to ch- like all the other teams never thought to challenge it or anything but anyway um wwe has just retweeted about five minutes ago that uh, sasha banks saying god is good as she quotes the update that says she's been cleared so it looks like sasha is going to be in the chamber interesting um, yeah, so it, it's uh, God. I, I I don't like. I'm going to be honest. I don't like the fact that they're crowning the inaugural women's tag team champions in an elimination chamber match. I'd rather it have been. I mean, I love a good tag team turmoil, but I would rather it have been, you know, a journey to get here, like a tournament or something like that, that seems a bit more befitting of a first time ever. Uh, you know, the inauguration of a brand new championship. Um, but regardless, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly curious. Even, even if I've got issues with the idea of doing this in a chamber, I'm, I'm mildly curious to see the match itself. I'm trepidatious because, as you say, the, the only other tag team chamber we've had in the past was kind of crap. Uh, so you kind of worry that they've set this up to fail from the, from the beginning through their own inability to recognize the mistakes of the past shock um but at the same time i'm kind of mildly looking forward to it to seeing you know some of the teams and and take take a bit more shape as tag teams and seeing if they have you know tag team finishes or anything like that or what kind of tag team moves they're going to come out with and that sort of stuff um and i think you you could have some interesting character there i'm really basically pinning my hopes on you know Absolution or Riot Squad winning this, or or the Iconics winning this. I, I sure as hell don't want to see Naomi and Carmella win it. Um, Sasha and Bailey feel like an obvious choice, uh, and Nia and Tamina. I think, eh, you know, eh, who really cares, right? Um, but like Riot Squad and 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 Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, they've been around for a couple of years now. They've been teams since day one. Uh, the Riot Squad have got like tattoos of when they became a group legitimately so, yeah. so you know they always talk about that they worked as a team at Royal Rumble you know Mandy Rose has had a growing profile recently so it feels like if you're talking about if you're talking about the best team winning this it shouldn't be Carmella and Naomi because they're they're not really a team if we're being honest it shouldn't really be Sasha and Bailey because they can't seem to get along for, for too long before they start falling out with each other because their egos are too big uh Naya and Tamina, okay, they're blood relatives, but they've not really been a combination for very long. But the Iconics have been together for years. Sonya and Mandy have been together for years. And the Riot Squad have been together for years. So it should be, by by the logic of tag team wrestling, one of those three teams that win it. And if it is, like I think that would feel really refreshing for, for women's wrestling in WWE because you've had, you know very much the same faces in the top spots, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it, 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 it shows that the women's 
roster at least has some sense of structure and roster positioning to it that the men's doesn't. Um, but at the same time, you kind of want, you know, it'd be nice to see some of these younger talents who've come up post-revolution to be able to finally get their fair shake at the stick. Because I feel like, you know, talent like Mandy Rose, Sonia Deville, the right squad, I feel like they've kind of been left out in the cold a little bit because WWE have been so obsessed with, you know, the horsewomen and with Ronda and with Naya. So it'd be nice to see one of those, you know, one of those uh, upper mid-card women's teams really get a nice big moment and be able to show. I really like the idea of, of I thought I wanted Riot Squad to win it. The more I think about it, I really like the idea of Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville winning the titles. I I really want the, I mean, this the, the reason I invest this match is because I, I really want the Iconics to win this. Um, <laughs> like, because I, 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 I love them in NXT. Every time they're on the main roster, they offer something. You know, whether they it's like doing whether, whether it's when they're whether they're doing something funny with New Day backstage or whether they're, um, you know, whether they're kind of uh, doing what they did at the Royal Rumble where they wouldn't enter the Rumble without each other. Um, it's just it is it is a I mean, I'll never forget that NXT um, fatal four way. Um, yeah. Where they were so terrified of uh, of Asuka and I can't remember who else it was in there. Nikki, Nikki Cross. Cross. Yeah. yeah, they were so terrified of them that they wouldn't like, let go of each other's hands like the whole way through the match. Um, so and, and obviously if you I mean like you know I follow them on social media and like it means so much to them like they've obviously been they were school friends you know like oh, were it, they really yeah yeah. That. So they, I they, they just like became friends while they were wrestlers. I think Billy is two years older than Peyton, and they they knew each other at high school, but not right. well. And then they kind of, as they both started going on the independent scene in Australia, they kind of um, became even better friends. I think there's a story where when they did their WWE tryout, um, they uh, you know they stayed in the same ho- they stayed in the same hotel room, you know they got the same flight over. Uh, and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's an incredible story um, that they've got on their hands there if they want it. Only dangerous, of course, you could tell them face like pretty easily with that. But it's like if you give them the opportunity and if they're serious about women's tag wrestling, they could easily be the female Asian Christian. Um, That's a very good shout. So, and the, you know, do, do they do they have the in ring chops to be able to to support that? Uh, I think they I think they're better in the ring than they get they get given credit for. I think probably that the way their characters work, they don't necessarily get to show everything they can do, but I mean, like, you know, Peyton's got one hell of a fisherman suplex and, you know, um, and Billy's got a lot of, uh, eye catching stuff that she likes yeah, she, a lot of stuff that she did in NXT that she hasn't necessarily got to show on the main roster. So I, I oh. think I, I, but I think as well, you know, like just imagine them doing like daft stuff before matches like Edge and Christie needs to, or indeed like New Day do at the moment. Like, I think it would go down the storm. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd really love them to win it. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. It seems very open to me. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if, given you know this sort of history in the family business and what have you, they gave it to Nia and Tamina. If only because Tamina's I... been in the company for a million years and has never won anything. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I actually expect them to give it to Nia and Tamina. To be quite honest, because Nia's recently been very prominent, hasn't she? She had the title match with Ronda at TLC. She broke Becky's nose. They did the whole thing with her in the men's Rumble match. So she's been she, out of out of the that entire field. She's probably been the, the the most prominent for the longest. So I would kind of expect them to to do to go. I'm if I was a betting man, I'd I'd probably put my money on Nia and Tamina for this one. The other I I, I desperately desperate I actually I didn't realize how much I 
I want it to be. I'd be really happy with the Iconics. I'd be really happy with the Right Squad. I'd be really happy with Absolution. But I've only just started to realise how much I actually really want it to be one of them. Can you imagine Graves' commentary if Mandy Rose wins the title, though? I try my best not to imagine <laughs> Graves' commentary at all. Uh, well, or his Twitter meltdowns. Yeah. Something, he, something, something very odd going on there. Yeah, he's obviously a bit of a dick. Uh, I mean, some of those things he was saying the other day, like, seems genuinely unhinged, never mind him being a bit of a knob, like, like he genuinely seems to just be, like, on a mad one. Um, Hacked. Yeah, I mean, that's the old, the old defence, wasn't it? The Scott Steiner defence. Um, so, um, like, the only thing that occurs to me is that you've got a mirror of Miz and Shane in that this never-ending Bailey sasha are they pals? Are they not pals? Now, I know it's a year ago now since they did that elimination chamber where it seemed like they were going to do the kind of, like, fucking hug powers explode or whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, the boss and hug connection. That yeah. rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I'm still gutted that Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss never got called power and glory. Um, <laughs> still, still gutted about that to this day. Um and they should have used the Herc and Jerk finisher as well. <laughs> and the next mix match challenge. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised I, if I they put it what, on Bailey and what, Sasha. If 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 <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near you if the Iconics ever break out double figure four leg lock spot. Oh my god, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Like or <laughs> or like um, it's funny actually. What was I watching the other day where somebody did a ring post figure four? I was watching something for ages ago, and it was like, and somebody suddenly like did a ring post figure four, and I was just like, oh, I think I'll it might, it. I think it might have been like, uh, you know, like Becky Lynch when she was doing NXT or something, and it was like, oh, possibly. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget Seth doing that in the ladder match with Ambrose when he breaks out the ring post, and I was like, this is incredible. Absolutely, yeah. It's like there are certain spots that just have that, um, have that frisson, aren't they? I would, uh, well, it's, you know, it's Seth doing a Bret Hart trademark. Yeah. Right? Well, the revival um, doing the heart attack the week after Jim Neidhart passed away, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. So I'm reading, uh, I'm on LOP here, um, and there's an article about how the women's tag team titles, you know, will be crossing, crossing brands. Well, they have to, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> and it says, um, it was noted today that the female superstars are slowly, and this is in quotes, slowly going to be crossing over more between both shows here soon. And it was also noted that the plan is to have the new tag team champions appear on both Raw and SmackDown at first, but not on a weekly basis. I don't understand what that means. I guess it just means like they wouldn't be on Raw and SmackDown every single week, but they would be, I guess they'll appear on whatever show, whatever team they're feuding with, they'll appear mainly on that show, I guess. This is, mark my words, and, and I know you'll probably agree with me here, Mark my words, good listeners, this is the beginning of the end of the brand extension. Well, there's rumours that it's done by the summer. Like my predi- Really? Yeah. My, well, my prediction in our prediction show was that, you know, you're going to have Daniel Bryan v. Seth Rollins for a unified title at SummerSlam. I, you know, I predict that because there are already whispers that, that the brand split is going to be done. I mean, to us, they've already put the pay-per-views back together. They've got a women's tag team titles that are going to go across both shows um, you know, the fact that Asuka is nowhere to be seen at the moment can only kind of only leads me to believe that eventually they're going to have one women's title as well as one women's set of tag titles. Um, 
I don't know. It just it all seems to be it seems to be rolling that way. Um, but I, I guess it I guess it remains to be remains to be seen. It might just be that you have to suffer a lot of that messy stuff you got around 2011, 2012 when it was kind of over, but it wasn't officially over. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see. All right. So the men's chamber then. Um, we have uh, unfortunately Mr. Brunny has had to pull out um, due to mounting injuries. Uh, translation, Randy Orton stomped him in the eye. Um, so we got instead Kofi Kingston joining the chamber, which I'm a big fan of. I've always been a big fan of Kofi, like ever since his, uh, his kind of days breaking out against sort of Jericho and then, and then going into the Orton stuff. But we've got Daniel Bryan, obviously, as the champion with his hemp belt. Um, AJ Styles, who has wrestled for the title ever since like I don't know, like ten sixty six. Um Jeff Hardy <laughs> Jeff Hardy Fantastic historical date to <laughs> Yeah, Jeff Hardy who uh, has been here since Roman times. Um Randy Orton <laughs> Randy Orton who probably built the Great War of China for all I know. Uh Samoa Joe, um who was in TNA during that period of time and Kofi Kingston what, of course. <laughs> Samoa Joe who was in TNA at the same time, the Great Wall of China was being built. Absolutely, historical accuracy is very much, uh, <laughs> very much my, my thing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, I, I mean, I tell you what, it's a good, it's a good selection of wrestlers to have in something like a chamber. I could do without Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton being anywhere near the, the the company, frankly. But you know, they have something to offer in a multi-man environment. Styles, I guess, you know, hopefully this is the last you'll see of him wrestling for a championship for a little while. Um, Joe obviously in a, in, a, in a setting like this will be a lot of fun Kingston suddenly seems to have got into one of those um, storylines where somebody randomly gets hot like he literally got announced and then just through one great performance in the gauntlet match like Ooh. everyone's away over Twitter calling him for, be, calling for him to be world champion so I mean that's Ooh. kind of um, an, an interesting this, thing in itself well this uh this it's weird because this is a phenomenon that seems to have followed Kofi's career whereby like every few years, it feels like suddenly everyone decides Kofi should be in the main event. Like I remember a couple of years ago when everyone was calling for him, I might've been when they did the SmackDown exclusive money in the bank and everyone was like, Oh, they should give it to Kofi. Like every couple of years, suddenly everyone suddenly decides Kofi Kingston should be one of the company's top singles wrestlers. I uh, confess that I have issues with, what they did with Kofi on SmackDown Live, uh, and I know immediately people are going to roll their eyes. So he's just upset because they, you know, they did what they did with Seth the year before. And there's there is a kernel of truth in that, but I think there's also a legitimate argument to be made that it's it's a case of, I guess you could call it basic economics, right? The more you see of something, the less value it has. Not and basic economics. Oh, <laughs> And it's like, I don't, I dislike it for, for the fact that it was such a brazen just rerun of what they did last year with Seth on, on the raw side of things when they, you know, you've got a guy who wasn't supposed to be in the chamber and he's been added at the last minute and he's kind of been in, in a bit of a, a bit of a funk and then you give him this performance and he beats some big names and suddenly like it was conceptually uh, self-plagiarizing. No, I agree is, on that. You know, which yeah. is which is WWE all over. Like we're used to that. 
But it kind of bothers me because all of us, and I know WWE will stick to the technicality that one's the longest performance in Raw history and one's the longest performance in SmackDown Live history. But as a result of this, what's happened now, and, and uh, granted, uh, you know, I appreciate and make, people may think I'm making a, a, a mountain out of a molehill because I was really talking about this. But to me, I think it still remains the fact, regardless of whether people talk about it or not, that now what Seth achieved last year means a little bit less because it's been done again. And co- what Kofi has achieved this week means a little bit less because we've already seen it before. You know, and, and what I feel WWE should do is give people these these big opportunities, but do different things because all, because once... When everybody achieves everything, nobody really achieves anything. Um, it, it would be the line that I would that I would throw it. But there's also another issue here, which was something that I felt when they did this with Seth last year, which is I have a real issue when they do this like out of completely random thin air because it just it it messes with roster position and it messes with continuity. Like Kofi Kingston, and I don't mean to be cruel to the guy. Uh, I will admit up front, by the way, that I've never really felt much of an attachment to Kofi Kingston anyway. But Kofi Kingston, for the last couple of years at least, as part of New Day, has basically been running in place, right? Treading water, doing the same stuff that New Day always do. Um, Then all of a sudden, one week, he's beating the WWE champion and he's beating former WWE champion and and he's beating Samoa Joe who's been practically a WWE champion and he's taken, you know, he's taken the fight to AJ Styles, who's been a WWE champion. You know, so all of a sudden he's been running in place as part of a tag team for two years. And all of a sudden he can beat four of the three to four of the top guys, singles competitors, not just on SmackDown Live, but in the entire company. Now, the reason why I felt it worked well with Seth was because Seth had a history of being a main event guy. You know, he'd been WWE world champion. He'd beaten Triple H at WrestleMania you know, and yes, these things were in the relatively distant past at that point, but that meant that when he pinned Roman Reigns and when he pinned John Cena, you could easily believe that. I have very, I have a lot of difficulty being expected to just accept that all of a sudden Kofi Kingston can, after an hour of competing, be the absolute top singles competitors on the brand that he's a part of, considering that really recently he's been struggling to beat the Bludgeon Brothers in tag team matches despite being part of a tag team championship team that's been at the top of that division for multiple years. So the, the, the continuity, you know, you may say I'm overthinking it, but the continuity really bothers me because especially you just know this, this isn't going to be followed up with anything sustainable. Like I would love it if it is. It'd be fantastic if this sort of transitions into a prolonged singles presence for Kofi Kingston at the top of the roster and maybe it will because there's been rumors that you know Vince McMahon wants to shake the new day up and stuff but I I have serious doubts that it will I have serious doubts this is gonna this is and that's what I was worried about with Seth last year like when they did the thing with Seth last year I was like that's really awesome but I really hope it leads to something because otherwise it's all for nothing and my 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 gripe here is that I just I just have this this dread and it feels inevitable that what's going to happen is they've given this moment to Kofi Kingston and then in about three months' time, and it may not even take that long, it's just going to be back to the regular New Day stuff and it's going to be like it never happened and Kofi Kingston's going to be struggling against, you know, tag teams like Shane McMahon and The Miz despite the fact that he's just beaten, you know, four of the top singles competitors or three of the top singles competitors on SmackDown Live in a single match. So I have some real issues with, with why they did what they did on SmackDown Live and Sean Kofi and this, because they set themselves up to fail with this sort of thing as well, right? They do this, and like you say, everyone's like all excited on Twitter about Kofi Kingston. They should go all the way with Kofi Kingston. 
because you just know inevitably they're not going to do it. So it's like you've whipped the fans into a frenzy just to disappoint them, seemingly, which is another one of your many thousands of deeply rooted issues you need to be dealing with. Um, so, you know, it's great that Kofi's in the match, and I think it's awesome that people have gotten excited about him and got a kick out of, out of the Gauntlet match and stuff. But for me, it's all left me a bit frustrated, and, and uh, someone who's never really been that attached to Kofi Kingston, kind of a little bit sort of, oh, okay, you know, fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm by no means advocating for him to, to, to win it either. Um, I don't, I mean, self-plagiarism for me is endemic, right? So sure. I, I don't necessarily, that's not necessarily a deal break for me. Um, it would be nice if they could be more original, but, but you know, I think what they realised with only a week to go, or less than a week to go before the pay-per-view, that if they were suddenly going to have to replace Ali, who they'd done a really good job building up, um, they had to have somebody that was a good hand in the ring, that could step in at short notice. And of course, SmackDown's got a shallower roster than, than, than Raw. So they obviously went with the veteran guy in Kofi, and they needed some way to um, make him... A believable threat in the match and so from a short-term point of view i haven't got a problem with the decision they made they maybe went a bit too far in mirroring the exact experience of Seth. like he didn't need to run through everybody only to come up short at the last like you know they could have um you know they could have had him you know maybe not make it quite as far as that or enter a bit later or or what have you but yeah i mean it is what it, i mean it is what it is just beating Daniel Bryan would have been enough. Getting like a pin over the w, the reigning WWE champion would have been more than enough. Um, because like I say, you know, and, and sort of as you intimate, you know, the fact that he's just run through Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe in a single match. It's like, well, why the hell hasn't he been a WWE champion before? Why why has he been fanning around in a tag team all this time? Like, yeah, it's just it it so intrinsically messes with established continuity of how we're expected to think about the roster positioning on SmackDown Live. And I, while I see your argument, and I absolutely appreciate the, the the pragmatic value behind the method that they decided to employ, the issue that I have, I guess, is that you've done it with Kofi Kingston, who is a long-established, permanent sort of mid-card presence. You could have done it with a Rey Mysterio, who, you know, granted would have been as equally tepid to me as Kofi and to some people considerably less interesting. You could have done it with someone like Andrade, who just came off of an incredible showing in the Royal Rumble. That's certainly true, but I guess you maybe know, they and, thought and, that. And I could have, I could have bought into that. Then I could have bought into Andrade doing what they did with Seth, because it's like it, he's basically sort of a blank slate. So there's no established continuity or precedent for me to kind of be left scratching my head and going, "Well, this doesn't really match up with what we know about what he's done for the last ten years." I mean, you know. Uh... I've always thought that, that, that Kofi got a raw deal with a lot of things. Um, I think in the start of 2010, um, I, I think he absolutely was in a position to, to be... Um, I mean, what, what, he essentially he was in the position that Ali's in now in, in a lot of ways back then, um, especially after the whole, you know, trashing Orton's car and that stuff and beat him in that Survivor Series match. So I think... You know, as with that whole generation, like the glass ceiling, you know, bit back in a big way. I, as a fan of the guy, I, I like to see him at least get a nice, you know, a nice main event match. Like if he has a good showing in the match, then I think 
Um, I think th- that that's fine for me. That justifies that justifies him being there. And also, like you said, at the inter- you know you intimated earlier on, the new day badly needs something different. And I've advocated for a long time. If you are going to keep them together, they don't need to be tagging all the time. Have them go off and do their own thing. They always need have their mates support them, but they don't. You know, like the Shield, they don't always have to be wrestling in tag matches. And I think that's probably at least a step in the right direction. I must say, I'm kind of surprised that it's not Big E because he has always seemed to me to be the guy that they are desperate to push out of the new day. He already had an abortive push when he was beating Jack Swagger and stuff back in 2014. So, you know, you know that they want Big E to be something. So I'm a little bit surprised they went Kofi, but maybe they decided that given that the way the Elimination Chamber works, they wanted a high flyer. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, ultimately, you know, what I would say is that if this leads to some kind of sustained elevation for Kofi Kingston and is proven to be the foundation of uh, a new stage in his career where they legitimize this performance by showing that it's not just like a random one night thing they did because, like you said, they needed to build some drama for a match. Like it's the chronic short termism of it that's going to bother me. It's really sticking my craw. Um, It's got to have some kind of sustained follow-up in order for me to feel like the method is justified because otherwise it's just it's just plagiarism for plagiarism's sake and that dilutes Seth's achievement it dilutes Kofi's achievement uh, and it dilutes and what what should be a standout achievement for this entire generation of talent right because no other generation of talent can say well we had one of our guys wrestle for an hour on Smackdown or Raw, you know, and, and that's, that's, it's that kind of, it's, it's the economy of it that bothers me. And it's the, it's the short, the, the almost inevitable short termism of it that, that will bother me if it, if it comes to, to be, comes to pass. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally understand um, your, your point of view on, on that. I, I really, I really do. But, um, yeah, I, it, it isn't bothering me particularly, but I can understand. And I, I don't think it's bothering a lot of people. I mean, I've not really seen any, you know, people are excited and that's a good thing. Like, I'm not here to try and, you know, try and quell people's excitement for Kofi or for his push or anything. Like, I think it's if you're a Kofi fan, then it's awesome. You know, I remember the, how excited I got last year when they did the thing with Seth. So I'm not here to try and, you know, piss on anyone's parade or anything. It's just, it, it's frustrated me and I wanted the platform to express that. I mean, the other thing that frustrates me as well, to be fair to Kofi, is the fact they had Randy Orton win the bloody thing. Like, yeah. really, do you really need Randy Orton winning? I mean, I still have match? nightmares about Randy Orton v AJ Styles at WrestleMania. So do I. Like, yeah, so do you I. know, um, what was it Rich retweeted a while ago? I can't remember. What it was. So, so our, our, our friend Rich Latter from uh, our Tuesday show um, retweeted something like, uh, don't want to see uh, Randy Orton v AJ Styles compete over who gave the most money to the KKK. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, quite. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, but you just know that's the kind of match that WWE are looking at and going, oh, yeah. it's a dream match. Like, Not, I've, yeah. I've, I've, this is, this is the, the overuse of the term dream match to now basically describe any match that people might be excited for is like one of my biggest. Nobody is excited for that like, match. Like, not even Randy Orton fans would be excited for that match. I've seen a couple of fans on Twitter talk excitedly about the prospect of, of AJ versus Randy. Um, you know, to me, it's, I mean, to me, AJ Styles over the last year or so has kind of proven to be a bit of a big con. Um, and I think people 
think more fondly of him than he warrants, frankly. Um, yeah, he has. It's like what you... It's, it, it, he is, to me, the purest example of what you've been saying for the last couple of weeks, Mav, of, you know, every match just... You know, it's it's so impossible to distinguish between matches other than maybe the SummerSlam match with Samoa Joe because they all, they're all just so similar to one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, so so, we, so we, we sure as hell don't need to launch straight back into another AJ Styles title reign, and we sure as hell don't need to launch straight back into another Randy Orton title reign, especially yeah. when Daniel Bryan is absolutely yeah. tearing it up. He, like he's it. on the form of his life. I, I think what needs to happen... I mean, because to be honest, this, this um, WWE Championship match is going to be a mid-card match at WrestleMania anyway, right? So what needs to happen is Bryan needs to... Keep holding this belt until they've built Ali up enough to take it off yes. him. And that might not be... I don't think WrestleMania will be the time. I think it's probably going to be... Mm, I mean, it, it, assuming there's not some sort of unification thing going on, it's going to be more like SummerSlam time that you'll want to pull the trigger on that. So I would have, you know, Brian v... You know, I mean, I'd, I'd be tempted to go heel heel and have Brian v Joe at Mania, but I mean, I, I know they won't do that. So I don't, I don't mean, I don't think it really matters who Brian faces at WrestleMania, so long as he wins. I think to I, me at the moment. The, I mean, I, you know, the fact that you sort of just came up short with 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 babyface names there, I think proves yet again that Ali's the right guy to wrestle him at WrestleMania, even if he doesn't win. Yeah, you I mean, know, he could I come mean, up short this, and then yeah, exactly, yeah, like a fighting effort where he almost does it but doesn't quite. He's only going to build people's desire to see him get that it's a bit like um, the short sure michaels the first time he wrestles you know he wrestled diesel at 11 and, and exactly, came up short yeah, yeah. you know um and then the year later was the boyhood dream you know i think you know it, it, it can work it can work really well especially if you have you know becky win the women's title and seth win the universal title which we again touch would ha- hope happens yeah uh, then you can afford to have daniel bryan you know and and it would play so brilliantly into his character as well to retain the. And I wouldn't be surprised as well if Brian, you know, if, if Brian ends up in a multi-man match again at WrestleMania, you know, it it, it seems like, you know, in, with the lack of an obvious one-on-one challenger, it it feels like at least you know maybe three of these guys are going to end up, um, you know, because they've got another bloody pay per view to go yet as well. So, ugh, I mean, yeah, there is, there, well. There is an obvious one-on-one challenger, and it's staff rally, so they need to pull the trigger, but they probably won't do. And like you say, it might end up being some kind of, of, of multi-man sort of clusterfuck thing. Um, the rumour for Fastlane is that it'll be Brian, AJ again, <sighs> oh my and, God. and Samoa Joe in a triple threat. Okay. Well, I mean, surely after that many failed attempts to get his title back, they can't go back to where Joe Styles after that. So at least if that happens, that's, that's a sign that he won't well, be in the Mania match. Yeah, I mean, the issue is, you know, outside of what's what's become clear, I think, uh, is WWE have no idea what AJ Styles can contribute outside of wrestling for the WWE title. I mean, because because you'd you'd have he had that stint with the US title, which was kind of crap because he never (laughs) yeah because he never really clicked with Kevin Owens. And then after he dropped that, he basically moved straight back into the into the WWE title reign that only just recently ended. Um, and and obviously before the US title reign, he had that brief feud with Shane. Well, this is the thing: is what's well, what's interesting. And before though, that, he was champion. So, but what's interesting though is that it's funny we say that their reluctance to do anything to him for title matches. But you know, lest we forget that the match with Shane was widely 
I know not by you, but widely enjoyed by people. Um, and actually, the feud, I mean, for all the faults about the Nolan Lee show and Russell all the time, the actual feud, I think, was pitched really, really well. Like, AJ Styles, like, getting frustrated about the authority figures and throwing them through windows of cars and so on. I actually thought that build was, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, and the match itself, you know, I could have done without it being quite so, you know, toe-to-toe, going at each other for 15 minutes or what have you. But, you know, it, 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 it was... 25 minutes. Is that long? I haven't gone back yeah, and watched like, it since. It's like a near half-hour match. I kind of enjoyed it, but, you know, in a guilty pleasure kind of way. But it does show that AJ Styles not wrestling for titles is something that can work at WrestleMania. So, you know, I I, I just think it's, it's he just needs something else. Yeah, anyway, he needs a character, but he needs something else at WrestleMania. He will wrestle at WrestleMania, you'd, you'd have to assume. Um, but just let it be. I mean, do, do, do AJ Norton. It doesn't need to be for the title, you know, just let them do a mid-card match. I mean, Norton's got a long, to be fair to him, got a long history of good, solid mid-card matches at WrestleMania between sort of 10 and 15 minutes long. So let them do that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. I mean, I just think... Or Almas. I mean, can you imagine AJ versus Almas? That's, yeah, I, I think... And actually, that now you said that... Sorry, that, that, that does seem like a possibility um, to me. You, you'd think that they'd want to give... It's funny, because you think there's not as much part-time stuff going on, so there might be, fingers crossed, a bit more classic mid-card stuff available to them but well i guess we'll have to see well this is it and, and that i mean that rivalry writes itself as well because you've got andrade who's who's through selena vega has been talking about how he's going to be the new kind of big star on smackdown live and you've got aj styles who for the last two years has been saying that smackdown he's the face that runs the place boom there's your you know there's your there's your conflict right there andrade is would be like no well actually i am now you know, and AJ will be would say prove it, and then they go to WrestleMania and they have a competitive, you know, twelve minute match where they tear the house down at WrestleMania. It's like classic mid card stuff. And like you say, you know, I've spoken in the past on this show and on Sports Entertainment is dead about the whole kind of, um, you know, the the coincidences of fate and how things can often stack up to to create change. Uh, and it feels like this WrestleMania might be, and I emphasize the word might because I've said this before and been burned. But it might be one such example, you know, if, if the Undertaker is not wrestling and Triple H can't wrestle and, uh, you know, and I mean, I imagine sadly we're going to have to put up with angle wrestling um, and we're probably going to have to put up with, with, with chain wrestling. But, you know, it, it feels like, like you say, there's more opportunity for, for, for the full time roster to show what they can do. And if they're able to make a success out of it, then maybe that'll be what wakes WWE up to what they've got in their hands. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially with, uh, you know, Double or Nothing supposedly selling out in four minutes without even a card announced fully. No, indeed. Um, when okay. was the last time WrestleMania sold out in four minutes? Oh, most it's ruinously expensive, isn't it? I mean, that's the problem. I mean, I guess it's just it's become... Or any I mean, WWE pay-per-view, for that matter. Yeah. It, it's, it's like WWE pay-per-views have just become... Well, you know, we could go on about this for hours. Is that you know, it's too, it's too blokes. I, I don't understand why you'd go, for example, to a WrestleMania to be at the back tier of a stand with the wrestling ring, like people, like ants. Like I know it's like an atmosphere thing, but at the same time, it's a bit like 
Well, the, I mean, the curious, in my experience, when I've been to, to tapings, you know, you find yourself watching the screen nine times out of ten anyway, or at least I do. Um, I mean, it's, it's like you say, even, but the thing is, even for those like top tier seats, to get to WrestleMania for someone who's not living in, in America is, is uh, you know, at least someone in my position in life is prohibitively expensive because you've still yeah. got to pay for flights and food and, you know, everything while you're out there and stuff. It's not just the ticket price that you're paying for. And I mean, it doesn't, it's not long until you get to big whopping prices, even for pretty average tickets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's absolutely true. Um, all right, so uh, that's that's the Elimination Chamber preview. Sorry, this was a bit of a sort of a, more, more of a negative show, but it, it, frankly, it's not a very good card, and we have to call WWE out on their bullshit if there is bullshit, and we were very positive about the Royal Rumble, um, but this is a step down if ever it's, I've seen it's, one. It's so frustrating, though. I was talking about this on Twitter the other day because it's like, on the one hand... They let Revival and Gable and Rude have these super long, super awesome tag team matches on, on house shows and then give the Revival the tag team championships. So there's progress on that front. But then on the other hand, it's like they can't help themselves and we're back to crooked authority figures and Baron Corbin being all over Monday Night Raw. It's like they can't do one without going, OK, we've given you something. Now we want to do our shitty little thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a thing. Uh, um, so anyway, we will uh, we'll be back next uh, week to uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Nation Chamber fallout and see where things are going next on the uh, the old road to WrestleMania. Um, until then, do go and, and listen. And then the week and then the week after that, we'll be previewing Fastlane. It, 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 yeah, was it um, that line <laughs> from Hamlet? It followed hard upon. Um, so we're going to be back next Friday. Until then, do listen to the rest of LAP Radio's shows from Zan on Monday to uh, the One Nation Radio Boys on Tuesday, plus also, of course, Global Impact Wednesday. Uh, we'll have plan with uh, his side podcast. We're not offended <laughs> that he has that, honestly. Sports entertainment <laughs> is dead. Um, Imp will be back on Thursday. We'll be back on Friday. Um, Saturday is now, now got, yeah. all about... Being elite or all about, all about elite, elite wrestling, something like that. And then Sunday, we'll see the return of the Doc Says. Yes, that's right. He is and, officially and unretired. We unretired the Doc. We were basically, <laughs> we were basically, um, you know, his Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, so Macho, <laughs> we've been forced to retire. And then we came along with our Cobra and now he's unretired. And also, don't forget as well, you can check out Aftershock on Sunday live after Elimination Chamber uh, with myself and Steve. So you're getting two podcasts on Sunday. Ah, Plan Mania. Excellent. I always, always enjoy Plan Mania. Um, my I, third I, podcast of the week. And of course, do go and read um, mine and Plan's work on the main page. So uh, my stuff will appear on a Thursday, Plan's stuff will appear on a Sunday. And, you know, you might get the odd piece that appears on other days as well. And also, sign up to LP forums, get right in your own columns, follow King of the Columnists 7, our current writing tournament, uh, and be part of a great wrestling community. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. So, from the right side of the ponds, until next Friday, we will see you later. Bye.